Hello, everybody, and welcome to Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, joined as always by Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness guru. Uh, listener, you just need to know that because of our schedules, we are actually recording this at 9.30 in the morning, which means, Mr. Graber, that we are not having a beer. Which yeah, is this is, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> Remains to be seen. Exactly. Exactly. But as per usual, we'll talk about what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives. We've got some recommendations. We've got some grievances and some mindful moments. And talk about what's going on. Um, I'm, I'm going to lead off here because Sunday at 11 a.m., the phone goes off, and you see that Stephen Adams is out for the season. I saw that. I, I was I was in a good mood. My back was feeling okay. I went down to River Arts Fest, and uh, and looked at the artists. and it, It's one of my favorite festivals in Memphis to to just go and and see some really really unique works of art and and meet the artists and, and chat with people. And so I'm walking out of there at eleven o'clock, and the phone goes off. I'm like Stephen Adams is out for the season. He's going to have to have surgery on his PCL. And there was something that, you know, for, for Grizzlies fans, I mean, their response was, you know, some sort of profanity, I'm sure. Was that out of nowhere or was he having trouble or? Well, so, so what happened was there was, there was a game uh, midway through last season where he's diving for a loose ball in, in, uh, in Phoenix and he hurt, his, he hurt his knee. And the thought was, okay, non-surgical intervention. Uh, we're just going to try to maybe he'll be available for the playoffs. And it didn't respond the way that people had hoped for. Uh, but still the thought was, okay, we're going to keep on with the non-surgical, non-surgical, non-surgical. Uh, the reports were, were good on media day. You know, we, we think that he's going to be full go. Although Stephen Adams said himself, he said, I think it would be irresponsible to, for, for me to think that I can, you know, be 100%, you know, what I feel that I should be. Played in a couple of preseason games, and there must have been another evaluation that there was some instability in the knee, which concerned the medical team. And they're like, you know what? Okay, now surgery. We, we surgery has to happen. And a lot of people criticized the Grizzlies for, well, why didn't you just operate on him immediately? Well, number one, the thought was, with a conservative route of treatment, maybe he can do the playoffs. And there was hope that eventually it would come around. If he had had surgery when the injury happened last year, he probably still would have missed this year anyway. Yeah, and there's no easy solution for these kind of complex medical situations, as you know, dealing right. with your back, right? right? There's never any, you know, there are a lot of gray areas and moving parts. Right, right. And, and the PCL is particularly mm -hmm. difficult. It's not like an MCL or an ACL. Those things can be fairly easily resolved. And so um, it's it's unfortunate. I... Um, I emceed a, uh, an event for our season ticket holders last Wednesday. I saw Steve-O. I said, how you doing? And he, he just replied. He said, I'm above ground, mate. And that, <laughs> that was pretty much it. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not a real ringing endorsement. But he seemed to be in really, really good spirits. Although Stephen Adams, to be honest, always seems to be in good spirits. I don't know if it's a New Zealand thing or whatever. So, uh, yeah, so there, there's a lot of... Uh, questioning right now what the Grizzlies are going to do. Are they going to bring somebody else in? Are they going to make some roster moves? I saw Dwight Howard is a, sort of out there in the rumor grapevine <laughs> on the social media machine. There, there are a lot of rumors out there, and I don't. there's, there's nothing right now. Uh, I went to practice yesterday for the media availability, and you know, I think right now I'm sure Zach Kleiman, the general manager, is working the phones and trying to figure out you know, what you want to do. The Grizzlies do have, because 
Steve will miss the entire year. They've got a disabled player exception to the, to the salary cap of about six and a half million dollars. You're looking at, you know, we're guys that might have been waived uh, because the rosters are set. The NBA season starts on Tuesday, which is tonight as we record this, and the Grizzlies will open tomorrow night, Wednesday night, at home against the New Orleans Pelicans. So, and, and then also you're dealing with um, John Morant suspended for 25 games. Uh, the, there's something about the first five games. He's on the act. You have to put him on the active roster for the first five games of a suspension. So he counts against the the. 13 guys I think that you can have active for a game. Then after that, he goes on a suspended list, and then you can go and replace that. So so there's that element to it. So it, it's very, very compl- complicated and convoluted and not good news for the Grizzlies. Um, but they have been down this road before, unfortunately, and uh, we'll see how they navigate it. But uh, I, it's going to be a sellout on Wednesday night for the uh, the season opener and very excited about that of course you i can... just saw coming from midtown right by overton park and sam cooper that intersection mm-hmm. uh, they're holding up signs oh yeah the claw crew the, is out yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're they're getting people all excited about tomorrow night it'll be an hour-long pregame show on valley sports southeast and of course brevin fish and i will have the broadcast with the seven o'clock tip-off so we're looking forward to getting back to work in the regular season mode uh the other thing um I just have to bring up 901FC, unfortunately losing 5-4 on penalties to Louisville City on Saturday night. Very, very cruel way to uh, to lose a game. Um, Aiden McFadden beat the keeper with the uh, fifth and, uh, well, would, have, would not have been final had he, had he made it. We would have had to extend uh, in deeper into penalty kicks, beat the keeper, but pushed it just wide off the post. And so Memphis 901FC is eliminated. One thing that I hope happens next season, and Greg, we've talked about this off the podcast, and I don't, I don't want to take a deep dive into it, but there were only about 3,500 people at, yeah. at the playoff match. Yeah. And I really, and that's kind of what the average attendance has been. And I, I just wish that this team, which is such a good product, full of not only good soccer players, but good young men, uh, I, I wish that the crowds would be bigger. I wish the supporter group would be larger. Uh, I, I looked at the attendance figures for the USL Championship, the league in which 901FC plays, and 901FC, they're like bottom five in average attendance. I think their number, is it like 15 out of 20, something like that? Uh, something like that. Well, I think there, there are more teams than that. But in any event, they were, they were, they were definitely bottom five and, and in a park that seats like 10,000 well, people. And with the rich soccer heritage in this city, going back to the 1970s and the Memphis Rogues and the 1980s and the Memphis Americans and just the enormous amount of youth soccer players in this community out at Mike Rose and all these other complexes every weekend, you would think they would draw more. You would think. You would think. So hopefully that's that's something that can, can get addressed because it, it, it's a quality side, like I said, quality players. I think Stephen Glass has done a wonderful job. I know that there was some upset with the supporter base uh, after Ben Pierman did not return after you know being the USL Championship Coach of the Year. But you know there, there were a lot of moving parts about that that we're not going to get into as well. He goes on to Charleston Battery. Stephen Glass comes in from Atlanta, and I think Stephen did a remarkable job with this team, getting them back to the playoffs to have a home playoff match. Uh, and, and really, they, I think the deserved result would have been Memphis going through, but you know, just could not, get, could not get that second goal and avoid penalties. Um, it's, it's, it's funny. You almost spoke it into existence. You wanted us to win outright without having to go to penalties. I remember you saying the morning at, yeah. we were at the brass door watching Arsenal 
uh, it, Chelsea and you were like, I don't want it to go to penalties. We just need to win. And, it's, it's, uh, yeah, because penalties, it just becomes a guessing game. It's terrible. It's like ending a tied basketball game on a free throw shooting contest. I've never liked it uh, as a player, as a coach. It's just – it's brutally unfair. Right. But by the same token, they did play 120 minutes of soccer and it was still 1-1. It's like how long do you keep on playing? So, I mean, I, I, I get why – it's done, but I, I agree. It's, just, it's a very, very cruel way to end a sporting event. So that's what's on my mind at the moment, in addition to the other stuff we'll talk about a little bit later. So what's, uh, what's going on in your world? So the house saga goes on. I'm not allowed to talk about it anymore. My wife doesn't listen to the podcast, but some of our good <laughs> ga- friends do. Ga- there's, so, there's a gag order. A so gag order has been issued. Pretty much. So it continues, and I'm going to leave it at that. How about the Arsenal Chelsea match? We had a good time we, Saturday. We had a good morning. time. We had a good time in the final fifteen minutes. Before that, it was just oh, absolute. The, that first garbage. seventy-five minutes was probably the worst that we played all season, but we pulled it out, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So we've got Champions League tonight against I think it's Sevilla. Sevilla, yeah. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. The, if you are if you are a soccer fan, even if you're not a soccer fan, go to the Arsenal account and found find the Trossard equalizer. That might have been one of the goals of the year. Who was wearing the Troussard kit? It was you. Just, it was you. How many Americans you think wear a Troussard? He doesn't even start. No, right? no. I think from a technical perspective, he's the best player on the team. I'm not saying he's the best all-around player. I think he lacks some physicality maybe because of his size, but uh, he's fun to watch. Just to what was it um – Oh, was it Saka with the service? Yeah, everyone, all the Chelsea fans kept saying that Kukurea, their left back, their left defender, was shutting down Saka. And then I guess they jinxed themselves with that because he had that nice cross. Yeah, so Saka sends in like a 25, 30-yard cross, and Troussard hits it off the outside of his right foot. I couldn't even tell. I've watched it 100 times on the replay, whether it was a volley or not. I, I thought it, not, I thought I thought it, it was a volley. I yeah, thought it was a full yeah. volley. It's it's really a remarkable goal. And like I said, even if you're not a soccer fan, you watch this and you're like, these guys are amazing. And Declan Rice's goal, the first goal for Arsenal, from distance, yeah, yeah from a just, defensive midfielder to hit that kind of accuracy on a shot, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, so it was uh, it was great fun, and uh, and it, it was pro- the most fun you can have in a two-two draw when the first seventy-five minutes Arsenal was just absolute trash. So um, recommendations, I got a couple of recommendations. Number one, I'm a big photo guy, as you can tell, as we got the studio decorated with all these photos from, from Paris and Ireland and, and all that. I have found Shutterfly as an online purveyor to be outstanding. Um, you can upload your photos. You can do everything. I've created photo books as gifts. Um, they do metal photo tiles. And what I've done in another room of the house is I will pick four images from different trips that I take and have them made into eight by eight metal tiles. And I create a memory wall. So that every time I go into that room, I can say, oh, well, that was the New York trip. That was the Ireland trip. That was, you know, Mendocino or, or, or whatever. They do a wonderful job. Like I said, books, prints, uh, gifts. I mean, you know, I, I've done um, these, these little like wine cooler mugs with pictures from trips that we've taken. And uh, they, they do a remarkable job and they always have some type, some type of sale going on. And I've never, ever had a problem with anything from Shutterfly. They have an app. I mean, you know, you take photos off your phone and the photos that come on your, that you can make with your phone are such high quality that you just get the Shutterfly app and you can just go ahead and you can upload these photos and you can make some amazing stuff. It could be Christmas cards, thank you cards. Like I said, I made a very, very cool photo book from several trips 
uh, that we've been taking, and it, it's, it's just amazing. The other recommendation, it is the start of the NBA season, and I want to give a shout-out to a good friend of mine, Doris Burke, who is now going to be one of the lead analysts on ABC ESPN. Um, she's great. She, she is great, and for those who are like, well, she's a woman, she didn't play the game. Yes, yeah, she did play the game for Providence College at a very, very high level. And I actually got to know Doris Burke back in 2003 because that was the year after I'd gotten laid off by the Portland Trailblazers before I came here to Memphis. And a friend of mine was working for ESPN as a, as a producer on WNBA basketball and said, hey, look, I know this is not what you want to do, but you know, you could probably use a few extra bucks. How would you want to be a statistician for a WNBA telecast? And that's where I got to meet and work with Doris Burke. One of the nicest people you would ever want to meet, very, very humbling, a very, very humble, very self-effacing, but really knows the game of basketball. And she's one of the national announcers who, when we are going side by side with ESPN, Doris will come over and say, tell me something about the Grizzlies. You know, give me, give me some stories. Let's chat. And, and I always appreciate that because so many times uh, we find on, on Twitter that, you know, Grizzlies fans are, are bashing the Nationals. And it's like, look, they don't cover the Grizzlies on a daily basis. We do. But I give Doris a lot of credit for always wanting to know, hey, you know, you're around this team all, all the time. Can you tell me something about, you know, whoever it is? And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I hate to see Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson let go, but I'm very, very happy for Doris that she has this opportunity. It has been very, very well deserved. And if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, Richard Deitch did a nice long interview with Doris about her journey to, uh, to this particular role, and I would recommend that for you as well. So shout out to my good friend Doris Burke, and uh, she's also a big booster of um, St. Jude as well, and she's done some, some campus tours there. So really, really good person, and I'm, I'm delighted for her. So those are my recommendations for uh, episode 11, by the way. This is episode 11. Oh, I forgot, wow. forgot to Right. That. Yeah, we're up to 11. So what, what, what you got there? You, I know you... So, so I know a lot of listeners listen to us because of the mindfulness aspect of mm -hmm. some of the people in my weekly class. One thing that I wanted to mention, there's a meditation app that I've been using the last couple of weeks that I highly recommend. Mm -hmm. For those who meditate, know that it's really important to change it up every now and then mm -hmm. to keep it fresh. As you know, you're, you're a meditator, Pete. Um, this is called Waking Up by Sam Harris. Oh, yeah. So, oh, man. that Yeah. He is really cool. Yes. Really yes, bright, bright gentleman. So he's a neuroscientist, a, a PhD. He's also a philosopher. He has he's really outspoken. I don't necessarily always agree uh, with all of his takes, but he really his his podcast. Uh, what's the I'm, I'm trying to think of the name of the podcast. It'll come to me in a minute, probably. But it, it's it the is, Waking Up app. Yeah, yeah, the Waking Up app. But he has a podcast where he talks about topical events, uh, world issues. Um, it's it's really interesting. He really gets you to employ your critical thinking skills. But the Waking Up app is really cool. It starts off with like an introductory course on meditation and mindfulness, followed by each little snippet in the course sort of a 10-minute snippet, it'll have a 10-minute a, a meditation. Mm -hmm. And once you go through the four or five different units in the course, you can do a daily 10-minute meditation. So it gives a trial period where it doesn't charge you, of course, where they try to snare you in, mm -hmm. but it's really worth it. I highly recommend checking him out. If you want something a little bit different to shake it up, he has a very 
non-esoteric, uh, sort of secular, scientific approach to meditation that's no nonsense and, and really hands-on that I think a lot of people, a lot of our listeners can relate to. And the other thing that Sam Harris does that I really like is that he talks to very interesting people to get perspectives on a number of things. I mean, he's, he talks to poets, he talks to philosophers, and... Um, I need to look that up while you're... Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was looking it up on my phone as well. I'm not sure what, what the name is, but Daily Meditation... Making Sense Making podcast. Sense. The Making yeah. Sense podcast. Um, he also has these daily moments where it's a minute and a half. And basically, a, a lot of what Sam Harris is trying to get everybody to do is to live in the present moment. And that, to me, is... It's really hard for people because I think a lot of us, and myself included, and I blame my mother for this, God rest her soul, that you start worrying about things that are like 10 steps down the line. And the reason is because, I mean, there's a specific reason why we do this. The way that we're hardwired is we have this negativity bias where it's kept the human species alive forever. Yeah, it's protective. Our, our ability to, you know, when we were lived in hunting and gathering societies, we would have to always worry about the next perceivable threat, whether it was another tribe that's going to invade us or a herd of antelopes that's going to run us over right. or whatever. But now we live in this modern culture where we're somewhat sedentary, but we're still wired that way. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So that's really what mindfulness and meditation help us to stay in the present moment. One thing that I encourage people to do is to really try to stay in the present moment when they find themselves in one of those downward spiral thought loops, ask yourself rhetorically, is there anything that I need right now in this present moment? And more times than not, the answer is going to be no. And that can help snap you out of that a little bit. Yeah. And, and that also touches on the whole gratitude practice. Exactly. Well. I have a roof over my head. I have food. Uh, I've, you know, I've got, I've got a job. I've, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Um, my health isn't, my, my back health isn't exactly what I want, but, but you're thankful for all the things that, that you do have. Yeah. We're I, saying we're thankful for everything we have. And then we're going to segue into <laughs> our petty grievances <laughs> petty of the week, grievances. right? So, <laughs> uh, well here, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start with a grievance and, and we've, we've talked about this before and, and this, this is, I, now, did you see the story that Cameron Sexton, the speaker of the Tennessee house wants to impeach Steve Mulroy, the newly elected district attorney That's here ridiculous. in Memphis. And whether you like Mulroy or not, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because here's, here's the thing, and this is why, and I've said it on a, on a previous episode, I, I believe we are being governed by unserious people. Because if you have a... So, so Cameron Sexton is saying, I visited Shelby County, and listener, for those of you who don't live in Memphis, Shelby County is the county in which Memphis is located. And there is, there is significant crime in the county and in the city. There, there's no doubt about that. But Cameron Sexton is saying, well, Mulroy is soft on crime. Well, Mulroy just got elected as the DA. And he's saying, well, I, I want to impeach him. Well, wait a second. It tells me then that Cameron Sexton either doesn't understand what impeachment is because in order to impeach somebody, they have to have committed a crime themselves. There's no proof that Steve Mulroy has committed any type of crime. And so when Sexton is pressed, he said, well, he's not doing a very good job. He's soft on crime, so I want to impeach him. Well, no, it, it doesn't work like that unless either Cameron Sexton doesn't understand the meaning of impeachment or he's grandstanding. And oh, by the way, these two guys are in different political parties. <laughs> I think we need to mention that. It just tells me that it's like you don't either you don't understand the way government works 
or you're just grandstanding because you have a policy difference with someone. And oh, by the way, Cameron Sexton isn't represents Crossville, Tennessee. He doesn't represent the Memphis area. And I don't know if Steve Mulroy is soft on crime, hard on crime. He's barely been in there. The other thing, too, is you got to arrest the guys first and then bring them to the D. And so, well, a big part of it is the judges, too. Mulroy doesn't set the bail. No. The, bond. the judges do that. Right. And I'm not defending Mulroy. I, you look at him on paper, he's, he was a professor at the University of Memphis, a lawyer. Is he really, I mean, I guess technically he is qualified to be the DA, but philosophically I might have my differences with him. He seems, I guess, okay. But to your point, give him a chance. We had a pretty hardliner with Weinrich and the crime was terrible. And she's the different end of the political spectrum. So it's a complex issue, just like Stephen Adams and your back. This right. is another a lot of moving parts. There are no easy solutions to it. It's not we just have the right DA, so crime is going to cease and desist. Yeah, this is it's this not is, the way that it happens. Yeah, this this isn't Harvey Dent in, yeah. in the dark night. It doesn't it doesn't quite work that way. And and the other thing too, I was rereading the articles in preparation for the podcast, and and Sexton was asked. He said, "Well, do you have do you have statistics, or is this all anecdotal?" And he said, "Well, I've talked to a lot of people, so therefore it's all true," which is the absolute. It's the definition of anecdotal as opposed to hard, ascertainable fact. And what has this guy ever done for Memphis? I mean, what does he really care? You know, it's just want to be seen as taking on the big city or whatever. Well, and, and the other thing, too, that, that bothers me is that in our political discourse, it's like if I disagree with you, I want to impeach you and get you out of office. Well, that's what the voters do. If the voters are unhappy with you, they vote you out of office. If you have committed a crime, then, OK, then we can talk impeachment. And it's just... It just it does not add to it does not help what is going on in Memphis in terms of crime for the Tennessee speaker to say I want to I want to impeach the DA because there's still crime in Memphis. It just it, it Memphis it, is already the bad kid in the corner of the state anyway. Well, it's yeah. made to put its nose on the chalkboard. It's, right. Uh, you know. Right. Uh, I've got another grievance, and this one is entirely more lighthearted. Uh, every year, the NBA has teams come up with their city edition jerseys. Now, I'm okay with this because, first of all, Memphis has always done a really, really good job. They had the one uh, that even worked in the wreath at the Lorraine Motel. Um, they also had the very stark black and white uh, jerseys that evoked the I am a man uh, placard that was carried in, in, in the march here in Memphis. The problem is that the NBA mandates that you change this every single year. They And the city edition uniforms have been leaked already. I looked at all of them, and I think all but maybe one or two are absolutely atrocious. And I understand that you're trying to sell more merchandise, but now the designs have gotten so bad and so arcane and just so ridiculous that it's like, come on. If you, if, you've, if you hit on a city jersey, and, and the Grizzlies, like I said, their design team has been remarkable, just absolutely yeah, those have been great. knocking them out of the park with the city edition jersey. I think if a, a team comes to a city edition jersey that is really popular, keep it. Because then, you know, now we've got things like uh, the, the, um, the Golden State one has San Francisco, and it's like the, the printing is curved. And it looks like a mistake. It's like, well, because this is... This Comic is, this, Sans font. Uh, no, the Indiana Pacers have 
Comic Sans. Do they really? They Ooh. do. They do. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely atrocious and has nothing to do with the city of Indianapolis. Um, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. And I, I just, just stop. Stop with all the uniforms already. I know you're trying to sell merchandise, but come up with a quality design and just leave it in place so people can enjoy it. Because you will see, when you go to Grizzlies games, you will see city edition jerseys from like the last two, three years. And they're very, very popular. Uh, this year's the one that was leaked. It's it's black and it has the MEM word mark that you see pretty much everywhere, which is meant to uh, represent shipping containers, which is cool. But I think at, at, at this point, even the Grizzlies designers are going like, where where where, can, where else can we possibly go with this? And well, it's so, like with the Arsenal ones. Every you have the home away alternative jerseys, right. training jerseys. It's all about spending that money. I know, but know? At, but at some point, the the creative well runs dry. So there you go. There, there are my grievances. One one serious, one one less than. But uh, there you have it. I've been getting really heavy in these grievances, so I wanted to get a little bit petty this week. <laughs> Uh, one of them is, what is the Caleb Johnson? Do you know who he is? Right, the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, from USC. USC. Yeah. Do you see what his demand is to be drafted into the NFL? He wants part ownership of a team. <laughs> he's going to be drafted. First of all, I think that's against the rules. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, you that. can't. I don't think you can own and play for the team. I know that's true in the NBA, but I think that is just the height of narcissism. There, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And how could anyone with a straight face say that or his people? Put that out into the media. Uh, that m- might be his agent. Well, the way Notre Dame shut them down, shut him down in particular, three interceptions and a half. Yeah, I think his stock has gone down considerably. Yeah, because because right? USC has dropped their last two games. Now you understand, Greg, and and of course I've hated USC forever because I'm a Notre Dame guy. Now you understand that USC doesn't stand for University of Southern California. It stands for University of Spoiled Children. Wow. That, that's, that's good. That, that's you, really there, there you go. You, this you, want, you, you, want, you want petty? There we go. I like yeah, that. That's petty. My second pettiness <laughs> seems to be in the world of American football today is, remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about how cute it was, Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. being a Chiefs fan because mm-hmm. of her boyfriend and all that. Right, right. I'm over it. And I'll tell you why I'm over it. Did you see it went viral? She had a secret shake, handshake with Brittany Mahomes. Yeah. It was disgusting. It was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So (laughs) I'm over them. I don't care about them anymore. No ill will towards them. Just quit showing her all the time. We get it. She's dating a football player. She's going to a game. You know, you can pull the tape from a few weeks ago where I said it was cute. I don't really care. Uh, it, 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 has, yeah. it has jumped the shark. Yeah, it's. I guess it's time sensitive. It, it hasn't aged well out in the sun. So there's only so much you can do with this. And I thought it was. I thought it was interesting that I forget. Uh, it, the last game was on CBS against the the, the Chargers. They actually had. Uh, they broke down the statistics, and he actually statistically performs better when. Taylor Swift is in the audience. Really? That that you know. And Interesting. I, I don't know if there if there there's really cause and effect there or whatever. But that's not anecdotal. That's actually statistical. It is. It is not anecdotal. Wow. It is. It is statistical. Yes. Yes. More yards. More catches. Quantitative more data. Quantitative yeah. data that yeah. When when she's there, which on the other hand, it's also home games. So that might have something to do with it. I, I, she yeah. doesn't go to any away games. I don't know because I don't follow it that closely. Interesting. You're the one that turned me on to this, and now it's just you, making me... You know, the first couple games, it's cute, and it's fine. And then, you know, people are, um, 
you know, saying, well, she's doing this because she's got a concert film and, you know, I, I, I she doesn't need the money. She doesn't, she doesn't need the money. She doesn't need the notoriety. And I mean, look, it's too, I mean, so many times in our society, we see two movie stars get together, you know, two high profile people get together. It's fine. But I, I, I like what, um, I like what, um, um, Al Michaels said, he said, I'm not doing access Hollywood. <laughs> and, and, and it becomes, I like that. But, it, but it becomes very difficult because now you've got, you know, live television sports production is really a team sport. So you've got a producer who's in the truck. You've got a director who's in the truck. You have a coordinating producer, an executive producer, a network head. And all of them are going to weigh in on whether or not or how much you show Taylor Swift in the suite when Jason Kelsey makes a great play and there are so many voices there that you know at some point really the play-by-play guy is not the guy who determines what shot goes on the monitor and so you hear it in your ear right you hear it in your ear it's like yeah we're going to a shot of taylor swift in the booth and i can just you know i could just hear al michaels you know the his eyes rolling to the back of his head so what what would be the memphis version of that if you're calling a grizzlies game what what would facilitate that maybe if justin timberlake moved back to town and had a girlfriend and went to games or what would that no it'd have to be a grizzly have to be a grizzly player and so who would that date like some some movie star interesting which which who would be the grizzly most prone to date a movie star or a that's a a, maybe Ah, it's, that's a good question. Steven? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he have some time now that he's not playing. To- no, I, I think I think I think Stevo because he is he is such um, an erudite. How's there? How's that for a vocabulary I like, word? Look at that ten dollar uh, word. Very very erudite and very interested in a lot of things. I think he'd be the last person to date a movie star. I would think he would be the first person to date an artist or a classical musician, mm-hmm. but probably the last to, to date a, uh, a movie star. Maybe it would have been Dylan Brooks. He's not with us anymore. Probably, 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 probably would have been Dylan Brooks. But yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, and, I, and I think at some point we're like, we wouldn't even acknowledge it because it, frankly, it's not part of the game. Yeah. And in the NBA, the action is moving so quickly that, you know, we, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't dwell on it. And I, but Taylor Swift arguably is one of the most recognizable faces in the world. Right. So probably top three. Yeah. I yeah. would imagine. I would imagine. So are you a Swifty? No, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like her music, but no, I've never been to a concert. I'm not going to watch the concert film. It's 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 not my thing. And mm-hmm. and. Live and let live. I don't have anything against her. I'm no, not, I'm happy for him. I just don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, I don't care yeah, about it's it. yeah. The, the shelf life has has expired on the that. handshake. Just you know, jump the shark. Yeah, but I mean, handshakes. It was it, it. You know what? It's cool once. Okay, once is cool. Twice is. We've seen two, it. We don't two, need to see two it really uncoordinated white girls trying to get rhythm in on a handshake like that. It's just it, it kills my inner Memphis. It just wasn't. <laughs> What a good, I don't know. Oh, uh, well, you've already talking about, you've already talking. How about that? Yes, yeah, my vocabulary at 930 in the morning is not very good. You got a, you got a game tomorrow, man. You, you got to warm, you, warm the noggin up. You have, you have already spoken of Sam Harris as far as mindfulness. you have any, any more mindfulness that you wish to share yeah, with us? Yeah, one of the things that I'd like to share is what I like to call is our ability or the benefit of us being able to separate the signal from the noise. And I think if we if we look at current events now, I don't really want to get deep into the Middle East stuff because we really dove into that a couple of weeks ago. But we see a lot of this protesting and people are 
are glued to social media or the TV screens or their computers, wanting real-time updates often. Um, I think it really does us well to have a mindful approach with technology. In other words, and media in general, we need to make a conscious decision that we're going to use the media and not let the media use us. Mm -hmm. yeah. So not be addicted to it. You know, not fall into getting that dopamine hit every time that we check and we're looking for something. Typically, it's to confirm our biases. Right. So I'm not saying we should stick our heads in the sand and not be aware of current events or tragic things that are happening around the world. We definitely should, but we shouldn't let it be all-consuming. So I found a great quote on social media of all places. <laughs> of course. Nice meme of Frank Zappa, the former what, rock musician, I guess, artist. I don't even know how you would define him. He, he's he kind of out there, he's, right? He's, he's, I think he's more than, than a rock musician. I think he, he would be a rock-slash-hippie philosopher. I think so. And he had a great quote, and it, and it starts with someone in the meme on the top of his quote wrote, Frank Zappa knew it 45 years ago, exclamation point. And then it goes into the quote. It says, none of us have the promise of tomorrow, God forbid, this is my last day on this beautiful earth. It won't be spent listening to some news person telling me how rotten we are, how rotten life is. Heck no, I'm going to go out and see how beautiful life is. As humans, our time on this planet is very limited. Turn off, tune out, and turn on your life. I like that. I like that a lot, too. Yeah, I, we, we've become so, and I am, I am particularly guilty of, and I, I need to really limit my Twitter usage because Twitter has become far less than what it used to be. Twitter used to be a really good source of news, and, and I think uh, a lot of us in our business, in the media business, uh, following sports, I mean, you rely on certain reporters to, to break news. And now there's there's so much dreck on there in addition to people trying to break news. I, I Have you ever read the works of Trevor Moad, the late yeah, Trevor Moad? Yeah, I've read both of his books. Right. He was great. He was great. And he actually worked with the Grizzlies before I did. Yeah, he, he worked with them for, for a year or so. And, and he you know, worked with Nick Saban. Uh, he worked, I think, with Florida State as well. Big in college football. Very big in college football. Was the, like the personal guru for Russell Wilson when, when he was in Seattle. Trevor passed away. And his last book was It Takes What It Takes. And he talks very candidly about a time in his life where his marriage broke up. And one of the things that he discovered was that, you know, and it, it seems, I guess, kind of logical but he did an experiment where he would listen to like really sad country songs for a while and he realized that his mood was just absolute trash i remember that and so i think the media that we consume whether it is music or twitter or the articles we read online whatever it is if it is going to be negative or downer uh you know if we're consuming this you know, it's like eating junk food all the time. And if you eat junk food all the time, you're not going to feel very good from a, a health perspective. And so I think it's really good. And, and um, I'm trying to remember who it was, if it was Ryan Holiday or, or somebody, they said, do not pick up your phone first thing in the morning and start looking at it. It's give the worst your, thing you can do. Give yourself like 10 or 15 minutes before you introduce another person <laughs> 
even if it's virtually, into your life. You know, kind of, kind of get your day rolling. And I think that's the big challenge we have right now is that we're so attached to these devices. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shaking a finger at you, listener, because I'm as guilty as anybody of it. Uh, but I think we, we do need to, to tune out. And like Frank Zappa says, you know, just be outside, sit outside and, you know, listen to, listen to some good music. Read books, like Read real books, books not yeah. on the screen. Yeah. I, I've seen figures everywhere from the average American spends between seven to 12 hours a day looking at screens. And if you think about it, initially your reaction is there's no way. But then if you really dive into it and consider we're looking at phones, we're looking at Kindles, we're looking at laptops, we're looking at computers, we're looking at televisions, those are all screens. That's a lot of time of inactivity, passivity, and having our brains sort of fed, for lack of a better way of saying it, from external sources. Yeah. Instead of sort of planting or feeding our brains the way that we want to. Yeah. Yeah. Can you take a walk on the green line and not be listening to a podcast? I intentionally don't, you know, I get my 10,000 steps every day or I try to now that I don't have those things called knees and I can't run. I intentionally don't take my phone mm -hmm. That's for that good. reason. Yeah. And at least it's an hour or whatever a day where I'm not on my phone. But the interesting thing with the social media is I think it's a somewhat of a delicate balance because we don't want to live in an echo chamber where we're just following everyone or everything that has the same views as us. But on the other hand, we don't want to be polluted by the negativity either. Right. So it's a it's an interesting sort of dichotomy, I think. Yeah, I think you have to be a, a very discerning gatekeeper with who you listen to, for example, on podcasts. So like Ryan Holiday and the Daily Stoic, you know, that's something that is going to be of benefit to you. But there are certain other podcasts where, yeah, it, it becomes that echo chamber and you're just listening and confirming all your biases anyway. And it, it probably gets you more worked up anyway. So um, that's that's why, um, you know, Craig Ferguson, yeah. comedian. Yeah, he was on the Late Late Show or something. He was on the Late Late Show. Uh, I, I saw him uh, down in Tunica. He's absolutely hilarious. He has a podcast called Joy. And it's just... BSing with celebrities and it's silly and sometimes nonsensical, somewhat philosophical, and it's it's great. So that's why I, I like listen to Smartless or I listen to Conan O'Brien needs a friend because it's it's just good entertainment. And you know maybe it is light, maybe it is fluff, maybe it is it's junk food, but it's not not really going to hurt but you because because it, it'll glim, make you laugh. We call those glimmers, and we'll get into that in another mindful moment on a future episode. Ooh. But a glimmer is the opposite of a stressor, oh. and we can actively. I don't want you to look this up and okay. ruin it for me. Okay, right? all right. But we, I'm just going to. This is glimmers called, called a teaser in the business. Okay. <laughs> we uh, we can actively pursue glimmers, things that things that bring us a sense of awe and joy. And it sort of is a reverse effect of stress. Okay. So. I'm, I'm going to look forward to that. Speaking of looking forward to things, uh, we don't have any air travel stories yet. I, no, I go the end of this week. I'll be in New Orleans. I'm giving a keynote, staying at one of my favorite hotels, the Monteleon. Mm -hmm. Check out the Carousel Bar for a Pimm's Cup or two. Mm -hmm. That's the bar that moves. Right. Really cool place. And then after that, I'll fly to Albany, New York, looking forward to working with uh, my guys at Siena College mm. basketball. 
Yeah. Well, don't go to the old absinthe house. I, I did that once, had a couple of absinthe, uh, yeah. and, and I bought a piece of artwork that I, I love, but was way more than I could have afforded <laughs> at the time. I've been there. That's a cool place. It, 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 it is. Great a, Bloody Mary's there. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, what, uh, what I'm looking forward to, uh, well, Wednesday night, NBA season starts for the Memphis Grizzlies. 20th season in Memphis. And anybody that asks me, so how long have you been in Memphis? And I say, this is my 20th season. They're like, no, can't be. That's yeah, crazy. It, yeah, it's hard to believe they came here in 2001. Mm -hmm. Also, for a future episode, I owned their domain name before they moved here. I didn't, you didn't know my cyber squatting story with the Grizzlies. No, we'll no, we'll, we'll have fill to fill you in on that. Yeah, uh, okay, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, like I said, we had a had a we had a great um, visit with some of our MVPs. Derek Rose was there, Tony Allen was there, Marcus Smart was there, Steve-O was there, John Conchar was there, David Roddy was there, and had a lot of fun. And it, it was funny because David Roddy is a really good dude and enjoy being around him. I've interviewed him a couple of times, but, I mean, it's not like we're – it's not like you. I would have the history with Mike Conley where I, like, hosted his charity events or whatever. And uh, I had done an interview with Taylor Jenkins and Anthony Carter, new assistant coach, and uh, the players are circulating and everybody's taking pictures and all that. And I was just, you know, talking to a couple people and then, you know, they took the picture and, and then, then they moved on and Roddy walks up to me. He's like, man, it's, it's really great to see you. And I was like, man, you were really killing it in that interview. And it's like probably the first time I think I've had a professional <laughs> athlete come up to me and compliment me on, on one of the interviews that I did. But it was, it was a great interview and I, if I'm not patting myself on the back, but I enjoyed it because I got to talk to Taylor Jenkins for more than 90 seconds. Oh, that's great. Because when we do it, you know, for, for the pregame show, we have like a minute and a half, and Taylor tends to be expansive in his answers. And so I, and I even said it on stage. I said, Taylor, I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk for like 10 minutes because normally it's like 90 seconds. Um, you were great on the 901 podcast. You and J.J. Greer both, by the way. I don't, I don't get to tell you. I don't have the, the time typically or something's going on when those games are going on but really enjoyed it speaking of you doing a good job well, thank that you thank you it, it, it was great fun and, and JJ you know JJ Greer of course is the son of Jarvis Greer retired sportscaster from from Channel 5 and you know JJ played not only for the University of Memphis but he played in the USL championship with Phoenix Rising that's cool so and we brought him aboard at the very beginning and he's he's grown to be a, a very good soccer analyst and and we have great fun uh, with the telecast, and I, I, yeah, thank you for saying that. I was I was proud of how we called that match, um, and because and it was a great match to call. Obviously, did not end the way that we wanted it to, but um, but yeah, we were uh, we f we felt very very good about our end of it because at at the end of the day, that's all we can control is how how we work the match. We obviously can't control um, good can't chemistry between you two. Yeah, yeah, and and it's. Uh, you know, because we've been working together for five years, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. As mentioning Taylor Jenkins, another thing that I'm looking forward to, this is going to be kind of interesting. So uh, we did not televise the game out of Milwaukee, okay? The Milwaukee feed was was shown here in Memphis. and But Eric Hasseltine, our radio play-by-play -play guy, did the game for Memphis Radio. So he's flying back on the plane. And Taylor Jenkins walks to the back of the plane and he says, hey, I just want you to know we've got a flight to Salt Lake City on October 31st and everybody's going to be in costume. And he says, tell the, tell the TV guys that they need to be in costume. <laughs> so Eric texts our producer <laughs> and says, uh, hey, I just want to give you a heads up that Taylor Jenkins wants everybody in costume. <laughs> and our producer responds, it's not April the 1st. And 
and Eric's like, I don't know. Taylor said everybody, broadcast guys, everybody got to be in costume. It turns out our producer ran into uh, Blake Ahern, one of the assistant coaches over the weekend, and said, Blake, is this for real? It's for real. Do you think he's goofing on you guys? Like the broadcast guys are going to show up in costumes and then the rest aren't? No, I don't think so. I don't think Taylor, I don't think Taylor would do that. It's just to the us. way my mind works. <laughs> you cynic, you. <laughs> no, so uh, yes, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm preparing my who, costume. Who or what are you going to be? Is it a surprise? Uh, and like, I guess the second question is: Will we see pictures? I'm sure. That, I'm sure there will be pictures. Of course, there will be pictures. If, if we're if we're made to do this, there are going to be pictures. No, actually, um, I am going to go as the dude. From the oh, Big yeah. Lebowski. Yeah. Because we had a bowling event with the Grizzlies um, last year. And I went and I found not like some cheap polyester knockoff, but a real um, Medina sod bowling shirt. This is art on the front that the dude wears. So I already had that. So that that's easy. Walk around with a white Russian in your hand. Yeah, I mean, but we're gonna be on we're gonna be on the plane, so it's like like carrying extra stuff. But I've I've, I've ordered the wig and and the uh, and the goatee. So yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go as as the dude. Um, yeah, I, mean, I could maybe take like an empty carton of milk or, or whatever for the white Russian. But uh, yeah, so that that that's gonna be kind of interesting. I. You know, now you got me scared because it's like yeah, maybe Taylor's just goofing on the broadcast. Guys. I mean, I mean, you know. Who knows? I don't know. I guess uh, I guess we'll find out. Don't let me mess it up for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now if let me turn the tables on you. If if somebody at Lausanne said, "All right, all the faculty, you've got to come in costume." Absolutely not. I'm not a you, cos- you wouldn't do I'm that. I'm not a costume guy. I'm not. I've never have been. I used to get a lot of crap for that at various schools where I've worked as an administrator. You and just wouldn't faculty. No, I'm just not. I used to have a black T-shirt with orange lettering that said, "This is my Halloween costume." It's about <laughs> as I, I don't know. It says something about me. Maybe I'm not secure enough about stuff. I don't know. I'm. I. There's I, something there to unpack, probably. Yeah, I'm. I'm not honestly. I'm. I'm not a, a, a costume guy either. And a lot of times we're not even. We won't even be here for Halloween. So if people come to the door looking for candy on October 31st, sorry, it's not going to happen. But. Taylor wants everybody, and you don't you don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy, that Taylor Jenkins asking you like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. It's, and it's, if it's a goof, then it's funny anyway. Either way, it's good. It's Halloween, right? Yeah. So I could just wear a suit on the plane and say I'm I'm going as a sportscaster. Ah, uh, just go all out. do the dude. I, oh, absolutely. Don't let me mess it up. Yeah, yeah. No, it it it, it it'll be fun. I, I but I will be uh, I'll be interested to see what's what's going to happen. But I, you know, Taylor likes to do these team building things. And look, he's including us. Sounds Which, like a great guy. I know he, he took you guys out to eat recently, too. Yeah, yeah. He takes he takes us out to dinner, you know, before the season starts. And we appreciate the fact that he includes us um, and we are treated we are treated probably better than most team broadcasters. And that's that's a function of, of, of Taylor. Um, and I and I appreciate that. And we've really been lucky. I mean, Jaeger was great to us because Jaeger started as a the bottom of the bench assistant, and so he needed friends, and so he made friends with all the broadcasters. He needed in the back friends of the so point. badly. I'm his friend. Yeah. <laughs> I miss Dave. Yeah. I need to text him. I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, I, I haven't heard from him either. Uh, JB Bickerstaff was was great. You know, JB was a hey, yeah, whatever. You know, he never had an issue with anything. Um, so yeah, so we we've, we've typically we have been included, and uh, and we do appreciate that. And you know what, we appreciate you, listener. 
Thanks for hanging with us. This has been episode 11 of Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing with Greg Graber and Pete Pranica. We did it sober today. We did not have a beer. Beerless, but fearless. Oh, I like it. I like it. So uh, we're going to see how this all pans out because uh, we're both going to be traveling. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see when episode 12 comes out. But in the meantime, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcast. Please do leave us. Uh, a rating, a review. If uh, anybody ever leaves us a review, I promise we will read it on the air. Uh, Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing, comes to you from the uh, World Galactic Headquarters of Pranica Media in East Memphis. We don't have a producer. We don't have an editor. We do it all ourselves. He's Greg Graber. I'm Pete Pranica. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you later. See you.